Welcome to Mindfulness in Sport by Quality Mind, where we connect you to the latest science, technology, and modern day tools so that you can dream it, live it. Whether you're an elite athlete, an aspiring athlete, a coach, a parent, or anyone who wants to get more out of your sport and life, we can help you get there. Learn more about the Quality Mind free app and proven techniques to help you harness the power of your mind. With your hosts, professional footballer Sean Higgins and a mind mentor who has worked with elite athletes around the world, Richard Maloney. Okay, well, Carol, fantastic to have you on the podcast with us today. And just for the listener's point of view, it was great to meet Carol uh, last year at the uh, Women's uh, in Sports Summit. Um, before we go into detail about that, I'll just give Carol a brief introduction. So Carol Fox, uh, named as uh, an Australian financial review 100 Woman of Influence uh, in 2019. And Carol has worked with thousands of people in their roles as an executive coach, a university lecturer, conference speaker, and facilitating the personal and professional development industry, collaborating with all levels of sport and government agencies. I guess with a, a rich sporting background, Carol was an ambassador for the ICC T20 Women's World Cup 2020 game where we saw our Australian team win in front of a record crowd. And I guess uh, Carol's also the president of Women's Sport Australia, the peak advocacy body for equality for all women in sport, mentor and facilitator at AFLW uh, and uh, co-patron of the AFL Premiership Players Club. I guess in closing, she's Victorian University Women in Sport Research Ambassador, uh, mentor, uh, life-saving Victoria for young leaders and uh quality mind mentor as well. So um, that's a fantastic resume and uh, and a lot of history with leadership. And that's really exciting today to, to hear from uh, Carol. So Carol, for thank you me. for joining us. And Rich, you summed it up. Wow, what a resume. It's exciting for us to have you on the line today, Carol. And I'm sure our listeners are going to get so much out of this chat and hopefully a lot of take-home tips and points and also advice. But firstly, Richard's touched on it. Let's, let's just go back to the early days and have a chat about your journey and where it's got you to right now. Okay, well, um, it was a really long time ago, so I'll try to condense my journey right down for you, Sean and Rich. Uh, but I, as Richard mentioned, um, I started off as a swimmer. So what was so interesting was that when you grow up as a a swimmer the the boys and the girls are treated the same we're all in the squad together and then um, my brother who was older than me and a few of the other boys decided that they wanted to be surf lifesavers so I followed them down to lawn uh, this is down in Victoria and I remember standing on the beach and I'm with my dad watching all the boys in the squad go and um, qualify for their bronze medallion and as they were doing it I turn around to him and say dad I can't wait till next year when I can save lives. And he said, darling, um, women are not allowed to save lives uh, in surf lifesaving in Victoria. And, you know, it was so interesting because I can still, there's a tiny little bit of it in me now. It started in my tummy. It was bright red and it worked its way up into my head and it's like I exploded. Like my whole world, a veil was lifted because I had no idea what discrimination was uh, until that particular moment. So I remember thinking how unfair it was and being a bit outraged about it. Um, but I was very lucky around the same time, there'd already been some work done. So the next year I was allowed to, oh, save lives. 
and became a lifesaver. Um, of course, then I turned my eye to all of the boys competing and, uh, you know, said to Dad, well, what are we going to do about that? So I was um, stepped up and competed against the boys who were still in junior program and actually won, very proud of this, guys, a uh, state junior belt race medal, came third, um, and uh, my brother was first. So <laughs> I think he's actually got it. I remember him having his back to me on the dais because he was so, you know, disgusted that his sister would uh, dare to do that. And then, of course, I decide that I want to be a paid lifeguard, perfect job for me at uni at this time. And uh, you know what was said to me? Uh, no, Carol, we don't have female lifeguards which I kind of disagreed with because around that time I'd been watching Baywatch and um, had visions of myself running down the beach slow motion in my <laughs> uh, red swimsuit um, that was told in no uncertain terms that uh, uh, we weren't, I wasn't strong enough. Um, lucky Bobby Hawke and his government brought in the Equal Opportunity Act that next year and where they uh, employ you on merit, not on your sex. So I got into that. Anyway, it goes on and on. I went to uni. Every subject I did, every assignment was either on aquatics, because I'm also playing water polo by this stage, was either on aquatics or on uh, equality for women and advocating for women. So my master's thesis was on that, looking at um, elite coaching positions in Australian sport. And then I ended up lecturing back at university. And... I've had lots of uh, jobs in the sports industry over the years, uh, but probably, you know, it all led to that moment five years ago when I was asked to be president of Women's Sport Australia and, um, you know, keep advocating for equality for women. So I reckon I got that down to a couple of minutes. So, Carol, clearly the equality in sport, but not only sport, I think across the whole country has improved over the last five years. But is there any other aspect of it that you see has made a dramatic shift from when you first started to where we are now, outside of just the equality and what has also enabled women across all forms of sport to be able to increase their participation? Yeah, I think um, what's been interesting is that with the advent of social media, uh, women were able to start to see more images of women, of women and girls playing sport. This is why we need role models. Um, traditional media still uh, is um, not representing women very well in sport. In fact, back in 1981, when I did a, um, you know, we did an assessment of uh, media coverage, it was sitting at about 11% women's sport coverage. It's not much more than that still in the year 2019. But with the advent of social media, we've had women are now able just to um, get access to images of people, women playing sport so that young girls see that this is actually a normal thing to do. It's a little bit exciting, isn't it? I mean, uh, I guess sitting as the president of Women in Sport Australia, what are the trending discussions that seem to be tabled these days when it comes to, uh, um, you know, the hot topics of uh, the national discussions for, for women's growth in sport? Look, I think right now, um, you know, in the midst of COVID, the concern is what will happen when we all go back. Um, there's one school of thought that's saying they'll take... We, we have come a very long way. You are right, Richard, and there was a lot happening. It's been the most exciting time for women in sport. I mean, you said before, 
you know, as ambassador of the ICC T20 World Cup, one of the ambassadors, that was just the most amazing experience, filling up the MCG with uh, 86,000 people who were watching women play sport because we were able to say to people now, when they go, no one wants to watch women play sport. It's like, uh, were you at the MCG when we won that World Cup? <laughs> so we, we, we were on a roll. I mean, yeah. it was exciting times. And then COVID comes along and some people are now saying that, well, you know, we haven't got much money. Let's put the priority back to men. But before I started reading that, um, I did have one of the newspapers say to me, you know, what, what do you think? will happen when we go back for women in sport. <clears throat> and maybe naively, you know, I don't know, I'm a bit of an optimist, but I still believe that we have a chance to clean the slate now. Yeah. And with a clean slate, we say, athletes are athletes, whether they're male or female. Let's get this sport happening so all children have a chance to play this sport at the grassroots and at an elite level. Um, I, I just can't imagine a sport saying, right, women are out again, we're only going to work with men because we are in the year 2020. I, I, I just don't know how they're going to get away with it and um, I, I still hope that it won't happen and that we'll treat, we can really reset sport from now on. In the early days, Carol, and, and hopefully that optimism comes through, <laughs> particularly over the next six months and if it's not in the year 2020 then hopefully 2021 sees women's cricket and also the aflw fully back up and running but pre-covid what were some of the challenges particularly for young girls and women in sport that you saw that they faced and some of the great obstacles that they had to get over oh look a big one is some lack of facilities um we 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 often talk about you know and i hear I hear horror stories of this is where funding is even given to clubs. Uh, we're talking grassroots level. They get funding to fix up the facilities for the females so that they actually have somewhere to get changed. And um, I hear where the, all of that money was put into the ground that the boys are still playing on. And this is all different sports um, instead of actually putting it where it needs to be. So I still hear about, women and young girls having to get changed in cars when they arrived to training. Um, one I heard was the girls, young girls team put in the outer oval in the dark, so they're training in the dark, and that if they have to go to the toilet, they've got to walk through all this darkness and then the toilet stuck out the back somewhere in a completely private area. Like, it just goes on and on and on. So that's, that's usually a pretty big one is the facilities and lack thereof. So, Carol, when we met at the Women in Sports Summit, which is such a fantastic event, you were obviously the MC, uh, and we got chatting that day because you, you, I saw a, um, well, a real interest in, in your mindfulness and the mental health of young women coming through, uh, not only in the sporting environment, but just, I guess, in everyday life and the working aspect of equality. Um, what, why is that such an important topic for you right now, and what are you uh, seeing out there and what are you doing about that in terms of your own profession? I think for me, um, the, uh, you know, I, I'm really big on confident communication um, because I really believe that when we're confident, then we communicate authentically and from our heart and um, we can be really effective leaders. And, you know, part of that story is that after all that fighting the fight when I was young, um, 
I actually really hit the wall in my 20s and um, started to, you know, question who I was and what I was doing. It probably didn't help that part of the put-downs that I got <clears throat> when I was competing, I had plenty of people supporting me, plenty of blokes, loved them, uh, but I certainly had the ones that wanted to bring me down and they did that uh, through body shaming. So when you're being body shamed in bathers, uh, when you're 16, 17 years old, it can have a bit of an impact. And um, so with that in mind and all of the build-up, probably reached my 20s and were having, was having anxiety attacks and not really knowing what I wanted to do. And then something I've always done and loved is teach. And so I went back to university and lectured and that was where I realised that um, I had something to teach those young students that were heading out into the world um, in the area of human movement because I really believe that in those schools with those uh, with their students, they can make such a difference when they teach them about their, their body. But I was also um, really introducing that there was a mind to for them to consider as well and to work on. Mindfulness in Sport is proudly brought to you by Quality Mind. Download the free Quality Mind app today if you're interested in learning more about mindfulness and further creating the life you've always dreamed of. Simply download the free Quality Mind app from the App Store or Google Play today or visit qualitymindglobal.com and take our free 60-second performance scorecard questionnaire today to find out how well you're going when it comes to being mindfully balanced. And so what are the uh, daily activities that you do now that you're a leader in the mental health space? What sort of activities do you do to um, ensure that you're leading by example? Well, I think um, since I've been doing the Quality Mind mentoring and been through that program, um, it, uh, for me it's about how I wake up each morning. So it's getting straight into positive thinking, positive, um, you know, thinking about how I want my day to be, changing my state if I've woken up a little bit tired. I do sneak a coffee in there as well, I need to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> can't go without my coffee. Hubby delivers that just before I'm about to um, do all the meditating. Um, and ideally, I'm a morning exerciser, so I also uh, take that opportunity to, you know, get into my body, um, exercise and really get myself set up for the day. Um, all of that then helps me with my confidence for the day. So either because I'm standing up in front of people teaching it or um, maybe I'm doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I'm a big believer that how we start our day really sets us up well. I love the link, Carol, that you've used between your morning routine and rituals to the confidence that it would give you. And Rich and I have spoken a lot about the preparation that I do in the mornings as well, particularly on game day to then be able to play. And I love the fact that you also do that in your everyday life. Can you give our listeners an example of maybe something, if you can, from a memory mm -hmm. of when you've woken up with a feeling, a negative feeling to give it the label, and then you've been able to turn that into a positive and then ultimately improve your confidence throughout the day? Yeah, well, actually, it's really timely. Um, when uh, recently, you know, I was on a high, we just finished the ICCT20, I had workshops everywhere, I was being asked to speak, I was doing all the things I love up on stage, face-to-face -face workshops. I flew in from Adelaide, was my last one, flew back here home, and COVID hits. 
Now, my business is face-to-face. It's events. And I have to tell you, Sean, that in the past, there would have been a time where I'm the breadwinner. Um, so I'm the one that, you know, brings money into the family. I would have been absolutely terrified. Yeah. Um, I would have had a meltdown. Um, I, and I, I, there's a little tiny memory inside me somewhere of where that possibly has happened before. So I have to say, I let myself be down for a couple of days. I, I'm a big believer in sometimes you just got to go with it, but not good when I've got to perform that day. But I had a couple of days where I kind of felt sorry for myself and ate lots of chocolate and <laughs> um, binge watched net, you know, Netflix and possibly had a little bit too much gin. Um, and I did that because it's okay. I, I think the thing about having adrenal fatigue like I did when I was young is that I can't fight it sometimes. But yeah. then I just got to that point where I went, you know what, come on. You've got the tools to get out of this. Are you ready? And I was. I'd had enough of myself. And so um, that's where I then started um, being very aware of the thoughts. I talk a lot in my workshops, you know, thoughts create our reality. And, yeah. and we can change our thoughts, you know this, and we change our reality. So I'm a big believer on that. Um, as an, as an ex-athlete, it's all about being careful of those thoughts that we say. You know, if I think I'm going to lose, I will. So I just got really clear on the thoughts and the quickest way I could change them was meditating, positive affirmations. So I'm actually really lucky. I've got a meditation that I recorded that has my own voice saying, you know, 15 minutes of positive uh, statement. So sometimes I just walk around and listen to that. Oh, how good is that? I love that. <laughs> have, you, have you seen a change... And clearly, even when I hear you talk about your younger days when you were five and six and watching the boys, that you had this mindset already somewhat ingrained in you. But have you been using a lot of these tools right through your profession as an athlete as well? Or do you think there's been an increased awareness over the last five years? Oh, there's been such an increased awareness. You know, look back in 2000, um, I was doing a lot of work. I was working for the Australian swimming team. And I remember, and I was learning uh, neuro-linguistic programming at the time, which I just loved, um, hypnotic language. And I got really excited and I wanted to teach everyone about it, but people weren't ready for it. It's, you know, oh, what's this crap, you know, neuro, you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to take over our minds and you're going to manipulate us. And it, it was the same with, um, I've worked with, uh, government organisations for a very long time, I mean, in CFA back then. And what was happening was that these fabulous techniques I was teaching, I had to mask them because if, as soon as someone realised they were neuro-linguistic programming or something like that, um, they, they started worrying that they were somehow being manipulated. Whereas now, which of course they weren't, you can't be manipulated, um, what's happening now Oh, and there was a real element of soul as well, so getting people into their heart space. So I've always taught that, but I've taught it from a very grounded perspective, which is what Rich does, and it's what you do, Sean, and a lot of our mind mentors. It's grounded in science. Um, it's grounded in, um, you know, Eastern philosophy, ancient wisdom, um, and we can now use that language, and people are much more open and and, and um open to it, open to learning with, with what we've got to offer. I think that was well summarised, Carol. I mean, what is amazing. I mean, I think when pressure's applied on society, you're obviously forced to look within and forced 
to um, get to know yourself on a whole new level. So I really understood what you're saying. Um, I guess you've got an established business, confident communicators. Um, could you maybe give us three tips or the listeners three tips on, on, on what you think would be key for them to use as soon as they hear this or the next day? Sure. I mean, I think the first one is uh, just accept that people communicate very differently and be willing to adapt your communication style with them to, to just suit what they need. I've just finished doing a, um, a webinar on um, Zoom and how different we all are on Zoom, for example. So, you know, rather than me looking at the other people and thinking, oh, are they getting me? Are they understanding? Just understand that people have lots of different ways of taking in information. And um, that really then gives you confidence to keep going with the message. Uh, two, never make someone else's overreaction about you. You know, stay grounded, have compassion. We talk about this in quality mind. Some, some of us go into, you know, some childlike behaviour that gets triggered and we all do it. And so it's just about creating a space for people and then leading them out of it. And um, something I mentioned before, just understanding the power of words on your performance because words have capacity to disempower or empower people around you. Um, so being aware of that. I think your course would be outstanding for everyone coming through. I hope you're working with young adolescents, are you? Yeah, I've done a lot of work with, with young leaders, which mm. I've really enjoyed. So, yeah. All right. So here's a question for both of you. Um, if you could give yourself, uh, if you could give your younger self any advice based on the wise people we are today, what's the advice you would give your younger self? Who'd like to go first? Mm. Carol, have you got one? So I've put Sean on the spot and I can see you. It's not happy. <laughs> go, Sean. Um, all right. I think the biggest thing I'd say to my younger self is it's not about you when people are giving you a hard time, you know, that they've got their own stuff going on and that sometimes you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and you're triggering stuff for them. So just understand and stay grounded in who you are and keep believing in who you are and let them have the reaction and have some compassion for them. Beautiful. Well said. And that is sage advice. Have you got anything you'd like to share, my friend? Well, that's good. It was, um, I guess, Rich, over the many chats we've had, um, I could give myself more than one piece of advice. But really, <laughs> at, the, at the core of it, it would be to let it go and, and everything will be okay. Because early on, I was in such a hurry. I tried to control and force everything. Um, and little did I know that it was all within me anyway. Isn't it ironic? I mean, I was just thinking the same thing. How many, if you think about all the hard uh, thoughts you're having this time last year or this time last month or this time two years ago and all the negative processes in, that are in play and the worry that you had of the surroundings right then, did they ever come true? Really not. And so um, I guess that's been a really thorough interview, Carol, and it's really appreciative that you've, you've come on. Uh, any thought-provoking ideas that you have for our listeners before we close off? Well, not sure if it's thought-provoking for the listeners, but it's a, a quote that I always go back to because it's very much, um, it keeps me grounded and, um, you know, 
particularly Richard, I know, or both of you understand this, sometimes we stand up on stage and occasionally we think, gosh, who am I to be doing this? And uh, so I always go back to Marianne Williamson's words, which uh, were said by, um, have been repeated many times. You know, we ask ourselves, who are we to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Well, who are you not to be? Your playing small does not serve the world. And as we allow our own light to shine, we subconsciously give other people permission to do the same. So shine your light, get out there and have some fun. I love it. Rich is loving that, Carol. Rich is loving that. Um, so, Carol, do you have a website you'd like to share or how people can get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. Um, they can just go to carolfox.com and they'll be able to find me there. Thank you very much, Carol. For, for me, it was an absolute pleasure the first time I've had the privilege to listen to you. But for all our listeners, both men and women, I'm sure they're going to take out so much from that chat. You've paved the way for so many. I look forward to getting out of COVID and seeing what is in store for women's sport. And I'm sure it's going to go strength to strength on the back of the work that you're doing. So thanks for joining us. And I look forward to Thank being you. able to chat again. Thanks, Thanks for having me, both of you. See ya. Thanks for listening to Mindfulness in Sport. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Download the free Quality Mind app today and visit qualitymindglobal.com to learn more. Also follow Sean and Richard via the Mindfulness in Sport Instagram page today.